This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollandsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Thank you, James, and welcome to another edition of Heath in Pursuit. Uh, my name's Heath Hollinsby. I'll be the curator of this podcast for the next, who knows how long this thing goes. And I'd love to give a shout out to the guy who does the intro and outro of the show, James Woolard. If you're a fan of American soccer uh, or follow the Seattle Sounders, you'll know his voice as he is the stadium announcer for the Seattle Sounders and just an all around good dude. So James, thanks for always having a wonderful intro to the show. And I'm excited about today's guest. Today we're talking with a comedian friend of mine, Adam Tiller. And Adam is, uh, I met Adam at a competition that he was in here in Tacoma. And he is so freaking funny. He's very dry. He's, uh, he's dark with his humor. But I have found him to just be an incredibly endearing human being. Very thoughtful. And so we're going to talk about his passion for movies and some sobriety and comedy and uh, kind of get to all that stuff today on the podcast. Uh, before we get into the show, just want to remind you, I am currently touring two different shows. Uh, if you're interested in having me come to your city, I'd be happy to do them for you. Um, you can find out some information at heathhollandsby.com or heathinpursuit.com. Uh, one of them is called Our Playful Universe. And it's pretty, it's about an hour long, really kind of TED talk on steroids that talks about the universe and hierarchy and holism and uh, age of enlightenment and religion and all kinds of stuff. It's fast moving, but it is a lot of fun and sure to leave you um, thinking about some things that I guarantee you have never considered before. The other one is called, and it was good. It's a Jewish perspective on the story of creation, uh, the seven days of creation and kind of from an ecological standpoint how we should be better caretakers of this amazing planet that we get to swirl around the sun on. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in any of those, feel free to message me at heathinpursuit.com. All right, let's get Adam on the show. Adam, thanks, man. So excited to see where this thing goes today. Yeah, dude, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I was just talking here in the intro about how we met because, I, th I mean, we met through our mutual friend, Nate Jackson, and you were doing the uh the funniest competition isn't that right that's how we met right funniest mf or competition <laughs> i think we met both years that's and, right uh, i didn't win yeah. I, I was a semi-finalist both times but it was both were killer shows and and i mean the last one i did too the place was packed out and, yeah that i mean must... you know nate's club oh it goes hard yeah 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 <laughs> If, if man, that, I would. We'll talk about comedy here in a bit too. We got a lot to talk about, but I'm sure there is something as a performer. You know, I've been on stage with bands and stuff, and and public speaking. But I think as a performer of comedy, when you have a room like that, there's if you're good, you, there's an energy that it, it's like you. It's almost unscripted. You know, like you just kind of take some liberties and you feel the room and uh, you know speaking to a large crowded room of excited people must be very different than. You know, grandma's uh, grandma's club at the at the senior citizen center when you're trying to crack jokes. You know what I mean? For sure. And I mean, we don't, as comics, at least locally and stuff, we don't get access to that space very often. 
So it was really fun to see how different people elevated in that moment. I would say that's probably not my greatest strength of like owning that space. Sure. But there was, there was a comic there. I'm friends with Timmy Booth, who I'm not sure if you were there that night, but I think, was it Timmy that I called the world's youngest bird watcher? I think so. Yeah, 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 I remember him. Yeah, with a hat and the glasses and, he, and stuff. Yeah, and he yeah. roasted. I I don't know if it was you or one of the other judges. Yeah, he roasted us, he and that's just, why I came back at him. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, he he. Timmy is one of those people that I've known most of comedy. Yeah, and he's always been so quick and like so off the cuff and. For him, I mean, that's a huge chance to take in that competition. Oh, yeah. Because if it goes poorly, you know, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> he, he's got to come out of it and the confidence to do that. I mean, he really, really owned that space. And yeah. I love that dude. He's super funny. All, all the judges, like, that was the second year I've done it and been really lucky to get to advance the way that I did. So yeah. shout out to Nate and, and you guys for doing that. Man, well, the cream rises to the top, and you're a funny dude, and we'll talk about that here. The other one is is a uh, the guy who actually won. I believe his name's Andrew, um, and I had not heard him before. But was he the? No, no, hang on. There's I'm confusing him because there's one guy that that did a bunch of like his dad was a pastor, and so he had a lot of religious jokes that spoke to my past. So I found him particularly funny because he was kind of going after the things that I used to hold really sacred. Uh, Andrew Frank is a yes extremely talented person talented comedian and yeah that's who you're talking about reese oh, green actually won that's right reese green but, living on the boat yeah yeah <laughs> love that dude too he actually has done my podcast both those guys have done my podcast so if you ever want to check out oh yeah interviews with either one of them um they both have great backstories and we're we're very like there's a lot of great people in this area doing comedy in seattle and i think most like norm quote unquote normal people <laughs> don't really even know of that like culture that exists. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty fun to be a part of. Oh, that's so exciting. Man. I, I can't wait to talk comedy stuff with you, but I, let's start with your, uh, let's start with your, your, you're a self-declared movie n- nerd, right? Like you get into cinema. Yeah, dude. I, I love movie. It's, I mean, we talked about this, before but i i got sober 12 years ago yeah and i you just have a lot of downtime you know like you go from (laughs) being out every night sure and then the next morning recovering for from what you did the night before like trying to find your keys (laughs) or where's my car whatever yeah sure and you know early in sobriety i just i didn't i didn't know how to handle social situations very well so Mm. uh books and movies and stuff were always something that definitely like I, I have a busy mind and it, yeah. it's good to have things that are engaging and like just healthy outlets as long as I'm not doing it crazy addictively. Cause that can be another, you know, addiction oh, yeah. just sitting there and like vegging out for 12 hours on, I mean, I have buddies in high school. They watch all of the star Wars movies, like the six original star Wars movies. Oh, in a day. I can't do that, dude. My brain, after about 10 yeah. minutes, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I think there was some definite, like, uh, supplemental uh, medication assisting <laughs> in that journey. <laughs> so tell me, like, uh, maybe we start with the sobriety piece, and because and, it seems like that kind of feeds into the movie uh, side of things pretty well, but where did, 
what made this decision? Like, was it, was there a situation like where you just, did you just know, like, I can't sustain living like this or that's a hard thing, man. Like we live in a culture that is very prevalent with, especially up here in Washington. I mean, everything from low grade, like, yeah, I mean, you got weed and alcohol and you got everything you kind of want up here. And, And I do know that that's a really important part to many people's rhythm of life. So I'm kind of curious, like, when you made that decision 12 years ago, what was that journey like? What led you to that? Like, what was it like when you started that journey? Maybe we can get into that a bit. Yeah, I I guess I would like to preface it by saying that, like, it's a daily thing. Yeah. So, like, yes, I'm sober today, and it's been a journey to get there, but, like, my situation is not secure by any means. So I always, (laughs) I try to, preface that because I don't want like say I were to relapse tomorrow like I don't want to be a bad example for somebody <laughs> that's looking to get help yeah and uh yeah and I I take that definitely I, I've been taught to take that very seriously but <laughs> um yeah my my life was like falling apart man and I was yeah. I was in school uh, in Indiana and I was trying to balance a lot of different things and I ended up kind of just like drinking a little bit every night to take the edge off. Yeah. And within like six months it was like, Oh, I can't sleep unless I'm drinking or have these pills or, sure. or, um, and I got really wild with like anything I could get my hands on. So it was just pills. I was getting really big into nitrous at the time and, oh, wow. you know, getting really like, crazy on all that. And I made some just decisions I wouldn't make now for sure. Um, (laughs) Guilty as well. There were some, dude, there were some really good times. So there was not like, it wasn't all bad, but, but when it gets bad, it's bad. You're like, who the hell did I text last night? (laughs) I had a situation recently where I, I stayed at a cabin with four people. Yeah. And I like, I hadn't known these people. I woke up like, we went to sleep at four o'clock in the morning. I was the only one sober there. And okay. I woke up at 11 o'clock and everybody was gone. Whoa. And I like, I was like, I haven't had this feeling <laughs> in like, <laughs> like 10 years of just like a full like circus happening. And then the next morning as if it never occurred. Wow. It was, it was just nuts. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I was, uh, you know, basically killing myself and, I had a summer like internship program in Sydney, Australia. Okay. And I was on the plane going to Sydney. I had been drunk for like two weeks straight essentially. Oh wow. And I flew from like Indianapolis to Atlanta and Atlanta to LA. And then it was going to be LA to Sydney. And on, on the flight, I think going to LA, I came to, Oh, wow. I had no recollection of like how I got there. And I, I looked in the mirror. I went to the bathroom. Like I fell asleep on the guy next to me <laughs> and, and he was cool about it. But man, I, I, I'm sure I just smelled like booze and just sure. was a, a mess. <laughs> and I looked in the mirror and I realized like, I, if I keep doing this, like I'm going to die. And I, I emailed my mom on the plane. I was like, Hey, I can't go on this trip. And she was being, how she normally, like, pauses. She's like, you're going to have a 
fantastic time. <laughs> yeah, right. You're going to, don't worry about anything. <laughs> it's going to be, and I, I, I remember an email and I was like, mom, I have to get off this plane. And wow. she's like, okay, get off. And uh, I ended up flying back to where they were at. And I didn't, I didn't, I tried to stay, I literally quit drinking on that plane. And by the time I was on the next plane, I was drinking again. Yeah. That was how. That's how it goes sometimes, was, huh? Dude. It's like after every hangover, like in the middle of the hangover, you're like, I'm never going to drink again. And then that night you're like, <sighs> I guess one gin and tonic's not that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, where it got to, and I, it's so crazy even saying it was, I would wake up. And my first thought was, I'm not drinking today. Yeah. And then it was as if somebody hit fast forward and I found myself drunk. And I had no idea how that happened. Like, I remember there was one night I was in my bedroom and I was like, I didn't drink today. And I realized, like, I had a a water bottle full of tequila in my hand and I was drunk. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I know what you're talking about, dude. I did that with food, too. Where I was like... I, I did a 40 day water fast, uh, two years ago. Um, because it was the same thing where I was like, I was trying to eat healthy and I was like really determined to have a salad for lunch. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm at Sonic eating a cheeseburger in the drive through. And I'm like, how did I get from 20 minutes ago being so ready to like eat a salad and try to do healthy that, that I'm so out of control of my body that I, I drove to Sonic, I ordered, I pulled out my credit card, I paid for it, I received the food, and I started eating it before it even crossed my mind that literally 20 minutes earlier, I was not going to do that stupid decision. And it was it was really scary, man. You know, I yeah. think you hit that moment, and you're like, holy crap. And you're crap. at Sonic, dude. Like, the burgers there are terrible. I know, they're the worst. They're like, not even like, good. It's not, it's not, why would you go there if you're going to have, like, a cheat meal? Like, <laughs> yeah. ugh, the food at Sonic is not good. Yeah, today's sponsor is Sonic, by the way. And so, I'm just <laughs> <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> no, I don't. The drinks are fine. I just, yeah. I would never go there, like, if, if I was, like, <laughs> for food, cheating on a diet. I know, but it was just, I was there, and I was like, how... How out of touch am I with my own body that I that I literally let all this slide right under me, right under my nose, and now I'm sitting here, like, not only feeling gross because I'm eating a greasy burger, but also feeling like I'm I don't have control of myself anymore. You know, so what did you do? I I immediately the next day. So the next day, I was actually flying out to Utah to do some work with my business partner and. Um, and I remember waking up because we had like a 6 a.m. flight. And so the, the Uber was at my house at like 3.30 in the morning. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to eat today. And it was that day that I, the next day that I started cold turkey, a 40-day water fast. Where for 40 days, I literally only drink water. Like not a bite of food in 40 days. And I was like, I was going to go 41 days to one-up Jesus. That was kind of my plan. Like I was getting cocky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I kind of did better than... than than your than your god but i i was like man eh, that could probably come with some lightning bolts or something so but, but it, how it, did you not die from starvation yeah like i don't know after a few days well so like the first few days i actually like was was really like on a health kick where i was watching youtube videos and i watched this i started following these doctors that like have clinics that walk people through 40 day fasts and it's it sounds voodoo man but there's like there's 
there's this one place in Northern California where this guy has walked like tens of thousands of people through 40 day water fast and like stage three, stage four cancers they're going in with and they're walking away completely healed because essentially they're saying that your body uh, spends most of its energy digesting your food. And so when it, when you give it a break like that, your body enters into autophagy, which actually your cells get bored because they're not digesting food. So they go clean up all the dead and decaying cells in your body. And so there's like actual reports of people like reversing cancer, diabetes, all this sort of stuff just from water fasting. And so that was my, was there, were you still like exercising and doing like living your life normally or? Yeah, as normal as I could. It was kind of like, you know, I, I wasn't, well, I mean, exercise was never really part of my life. Let's be honest. Like it wasn't, but okay. I didn't do anything crazy. Like I'd walk down to the pool with my family and you know, I'd, I'd get tired, but then I'd also find like after day six or seven, I'd be getting three to four hours of sleep a night and waking up with crazy energy ready to go for the day. Like it was a cool process, uh, but it was Did birth. your wife hate it? Well, she, I don't know if she was like trying to, I, at first she thought I was crazy and then she's like you need to if you're really going to do this you need to see a doctor and then it went through a season of like her starting to make all these foods that I had asked her to make for years and she wouldn't and so like you know Saturday morning and she's like I'm making homemade raspberry toaster strudels and I'm like screw you lady like I've asked for that for 10 <laughs> years and I'm now on this fast and you guys are all eating it in front of me but I think I mean that's amazing yeah I was yeah I was crazy like but I felt so good like I I would have kept going for more and more, but I just knew like it was time to give it a, give it up. Did it do anything like organ wise where you were like, like libido wise or anything yeah. that was unexpected? Let's, um, I don't think like organ or like libido wise. I, I do know that like the energy that the few things that I remember is like crazy energy my dreams were so vivid, man. Like motion picture movies every night. Like Just sandwiches and like Sonic burgers yeah, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was like everything was in like, I felt like I was in Wonka world. Like everything was colorful and vibrant. Um, huh. And I noticed too that I was, uh, I was at a lot more calm with like my kids. Like way, sh like it took me a while to get angry with people, except. I would notice in meetings and stuff, I would get frustrated because I felt like my brain was so sharp that it felt like everyone else was talking at like half speed. And so I'd get irritated because I'd be like, you guys are so sluggish because you guys just ate Chipotle and I am like Sonic the Hedgehog here and I am i don't have time oh, for, for sure. you guys to like, this meeting could have lasted 10 minutes, but you guys made it take an hour. So those were the big. It's take. not the the best situation to be in in like bureaucracy. Like my last job, I was in. Yeah. When I quit to do like creative stuff, I swear to God, they could make a five minute meeting into five hours. Oh yeah, some and people love that. It's just, oh my God, I I cannot handle that. Where like mm -mm. at the end of the meeting, they do an around the room where everybody. They yeah. ask everybody, do you need anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Like, I'm sitting there like, couldn't we just ask the group? Yeah. What do you need Does now? anybody need anything? Yeah. Instead of going one by one, like it's so inefficient. And they're like, and should we yeah, schedule a follow-up? You're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A debrief to and the meeting. Need notes on this meeting too. Like yeah. it just, there, there's something about like people in organizations where they just, 
they want to like add layers of complexity to everything, which it oh, just, it slows everything down. Absolutely, man. I hate that. I hate that. It's crazy. Okay. So but you, yeah. So I back to, yeah, I think I just stopped talking about <laughs> it's all right, variety man. stuff, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I finally did get some help and it was like, you know, through a community of people and meetings and stuff. And it yeah. was, I, I would say like, if anybody is curious about getting that help, it is available. Hmm. Um, it's free and, uh, probably 90 to 95% of your experience will be different than what you see in movies and films. And like, sure. I remember going in there and I was very standoffish. I mean, I was like, I was feral dude. Like I, I mm. like did not, I remember there was somebody that greeted me and I thought that person like wanted something out of me and shit. And they were just literally just being a nice person low to people coming, coming <laughs> in. So it, uh, and it, it honestly has affected my stand up and comedy in general. Like hmm. I, I think I'm different from a lot of comics in that way where I like, I'm, it takes me a while for me to get comfortable around you. Sure. And once I am, I'm great. But like, I just, I, I had some experiences early in life where, yeah, I, I didn't trust people very much. So mm. that's definitely something I'm working on to this day. Yeah. Was it, was the hardest part for you? Like, were you ready to, to make that change? Or like when you went to that first meeting, were you like, I'm still skeptical or were you like, no, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stop, stop drinking at this point. I had done 30 or sorry, three months sober on my own okay. white knuckling it wow and i got so crazy i got more crazy not drinking and and not working any kind of a like not having that community to sure. be a part of yeah and like even the people love you are like man maybe you should have a beer <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah there's sure. a lot of like really screwed up people um they they like call them dry drunks yeah. people that like don't work a program and because they're not able to take that edge off and you know, that's, that's their solution mm -hmm. and they don't have a different one that like they end up just treating everybody around them like shit. Yeah. So, like I was so strung out and so crazy. And I remember this guy who was, who met me that first night didn't see me again for like, I don't know, four or five months. Oh wow. And I had gone to that, that like group yeah. every week after that. And four months later he saw me. He's like, dude, you physically look different. Wow. Like you, you look like you're healthy again. And I had already, I had spent three months dry. Wow. So it was like, literally there was a physiological reaction sure. to me pursuing that lifestyle. Was that like a, was that like a, a confidence boost as well? Like, did it affirm like, yeah, you're making the right decision. Having somebody recognize Man, that. That's a good question. I, I mean, I definitely don't think, I mean, you're so raw in that first six months to a year of taking, I mean, it's, it's the thing that you're using to handle all of your anxiety, all of like, you have no coping mechanisms. Sure. So you're, trying to figure out how to like walk and live again. And mm. it's, you're super susceptible to 
being taken advantage of and like and yeah. like I, I definitely think that has played a role in my life too where like I've had to be in all these weird situations and like trust is a uh like I found myself in a situation where I'm like, what am I even doing here? Yeah, sure. In and out of sobriety too. Yeah, that's it's fair. uh it's a complicated thing. How hard is I'm it? I'm sure like you have a religious background, like you know yeah. what that's oh, like. Like you're around <laughs> these people that you're trusting and then you find out like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be trusting these particular people. Yeah, man. Like you, you almost gotta earn that that uh privilege into somebody's life. Um I feel that all the time, dude. I'm j- I'm kind of wondering like how what was it like from a social dynamic like are you pretty strong willed that helped you get over the sense of like well I guess I could have one beer did you teeter totter much or was it like nope cold turkey I'm done or what happens when you're at parties and everyone's drinking or like when you were just saying that you were out with your friends this weekend or this past or, you know when you were in the cabin uh like how do you do that in social situations now what's your what's your go to when you're offered something. Well, when I decided to stop, it took like, I, I ruined my life pretty quickly. Like it was, sure. it was three months that I went from like drinking normally to drinking and using completely, like I spiraled hard. So sure. when I stopped drinking, I, I thought initially like, oh, I'm going to just quit for three months and then I'll see how it it works. And then I got to three months and I kind of like looked around and I was like, this is like, this feels better. Hmm. Even though I was still pretty crazy. Like it was so crazy that I knew what my life looked like with substances in it, how bad it it was. But I had no idea what life could look like without them in it. Hmm. And I was, I was like terrified. (laughs) Like I thought it was going to be worse. Interesting. And it's different, but it's definitely not worse. I mean, like we said, like I woke up today, I wasn't, I'm not hungover. I'm not wondering who, who or where I'm at or like yeah. all that shit. Yeah. And you know, that was my reality every day for a long period of time. Hmm. And then, so now like I'm, I'm really happy that I'm sober. I get to be in all these situations where like I see people in entertainment, like, I'm a comedian and sure. you're out amongst drinking every night. And like, dude, every night could be a full on party. Absolutely. And, and actually an I excuse to do that. To do. Right. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. there's a lot of comics that like, that's, that's what their reality looks like. And then after, I mean, you can only do that for so long and it starts catching up with you. Like yeah. I'm, I'm 33. I couldn't drink the way that I drank in my twenties now. And oh, I, sure. I was with those guys this past weekend. Like we were up till four in the morning. (laughs) I woke up, I had seven hours. I had to drive another four to the next gig. Like if I was hung over, man, I would be hurting. Oh yeah. It's it's like, you got to take care of yourself. So that piece of it, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad I don't have the calories in me from the booze and, and the hangovers. And like, it's just so unproductive. You know, it's interesting as you say that, man, because I find myself like in this a little bit of a tension because I don't know if I mean we might be alike in this in this way, or maybe I'm just kind of uh, creating a, a weird narrative that's not really there. But like, so my wife is pretty close to teetotaler. Like, 
you know, when it comes to any sort of like cannabis, alcohol, even medicine, she she tends to not like I've seen her drink maybe once or twice in my life. Like she's just not a drinker. She's not a smoker. She's nothing like that. Because her her excuse is like, I like being in control. Like I like knowing where I'm at. And it's interesting, man, because if I'm being honest, I kind of like being out of my head a little bit. I feel like, you know, if it's whether, you know, anything from, from mushrooms to alcohol to weed, whatever it might be, there's this sense of like, I kind of like not being sober. I like the feeling of like just I mean, is that a thing you think? Did you feel that sense at all? Or have you ever wrestled with that? Like now being clean, like, is that, is that a weird thing or am I the only one? It's not weird at all. (laughs) Uh, It's a vacation from like, dude, I don't want to be in my head. Yes. I don't want to, I don't like the space that exists up there. And most of my life now is spent figuring out ways to get out of my head that aren't toxic. Interesting. Like, Alcohol and drugs were a solution to that for me for a long time. Yeah. And it started when I, I mean, I started drinking when I was 10. Oh, wow. I started smoking weed when I was 13. So like it, it really worked for me for a long period of time. And it was great. Like I, I loved the feeling of taking, like I took seven grams of mushrooms one time. Jeez. (laughs) You're getting, you're getting to Mars faster than Elon Musk, bro. At that rate. You know what I mean? It was out of control. I yeah. went to a Vikings game in Minnesota on it. Oh like my God. it was insanity. <laughs> and like, yeah. it just, I knew that I didn't like the way that I felt and I yeah. knew that this could get me out of it. Hmm. But at some point the, the scary thing was probably the only reason why I stopped yeah. was because it stopped working. Interesting. Like when you're taking those things and you're like, wow, I'm hammered right now. And I feel just as bad as I did than when I like wasn't drinking. Yeah. Oh, that's a really a good awareness. scary moment where you're like, okay, so what's the next thing then? Do I just kill myself? Because yeah. this isn't working anymore. And yep. you know, I, I feel for a lot of people that are like in that loop. Yeah. And the only thing that I know is like to take that leap of faith to where like the people that have had the experience and they're not there anymore can be helpful to you and they're not gonna cause you harm yeah but yeah no i love and i still get crazy with stuff you know like i i tv movies like we were talking about uh (laughs) sudoku like what like i got a steam deck recently i don't know if you know what that is no it's like a a switch like a nintendo switch but it's bigger and you can play pc games on it oh wow Dude, I logged 20 hours in like three days. Oh my gosh. It's your I'll new get escape. i fucked up on whatever I can. It's like, <laughs> it's just, it's insane. Dude, yeah, that's a, me too, man. I'm like, I've got the heart of a psychonaut in me. Like I like, you know, there's there's the days too where you have that, not, I mean, not so much anymore, but like for me, it's that you get that crossfade and you're like, okay, I think I could do one more drink or like I could smoke <laughs> one more little puff and then, but that, I mean, it never leads to like this life of like, I don't need that anymore. It's just constantly that like, I think I could do one more and be fine. And then yeah, you're chasing the dragon. Yeah, you are, man. And then, you know, like you said, you're 33, I'm 39. And those hangovers, like when they start lasting two days or three days, cause your body's just like done. You're like, this is, I'd rather be dead than be doing this anymore. 
But it's oh, it's yeah. a tough but trap because Cross, it's a they friend. We're are so good. Yeah, like, that's the best. The first time I was ever crossfade, I was on a cruise ship. Oh gosh! And uh, <laughs> my buddy, we were like we were down in uh, fucking I don't even remember like St. Thomas or something. Yeah. And we bought weed down there, and he had a broken arm, so he like we put the weed up his cast. Oh my god! This is just for if anybody's ever trying to sneak weed on a plane or on a, on a <laughs> cruise ship. Yeah. But we got so fucked up. And know how like when you're on a cruise ship or a boat, like the like it occasionally you'll hit like waves and you'll like it'll lose balance for oh, a yeah. second. I was crossfade and that was going on. It was oh. just like this was it was I was like peaking at the right time. It was so <laughs> fucking good, man. It is. I mean, there's there's a joy to it. I just like when I talk to my wife and she's like, "Yeah, that doesn't interest me." I'm like, "Hmm, what is it that I've got?" Nerd. You, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I figure if I berate her enough, maybe eventually she'll give in. You know, like okay, fine, Heath. Uh, but there is, yeah, I, I I like that. I like that kind of out of the mind feeling, but um, I I never thought about that. Maybe leading into different things. Like for you, you were saying like movies was a thing for you that. You, you found were able almost to supplement what you were getting from the the lack of having the high of either drugs or alcohol, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, you just get to be a vegetable. Yeah. And you don't, you don't have to do anything and you're engaged. And I just, I also grew up with an older brother that like we had a, we had direct TV at our house. Okay. We lived like outside the, the city. So they did, it was like, no cable. Sure. You just, you either got satellite or you had nothing. And they'd have these movie channels like mm. stars and, and all these different ones. And okay. so I've seen my brother would be in the basement and he would just be like sitting there for 15 hours at a time watching movies. Ugh. And the way they would play these would be like, they'd start a movie. And if you like, you just picked up wherever it was going. Oh, okay. Like if it was, an hour into the movie, you couldn't rewind it. It was, sure. you know, the late nineties or late two thousand. So yeah. I've seen like 40% of every movie <laughs> from like 1995 <laughs> to 2020. But like, yeah, when I got sober, the first like big collection of movies that I really got into was like all the Hannibal, um, okay. Silence of the Lambs, like those movies. But I, I love thrillers. I love, I mean, I went to law school for a period of time. Oh, wow. So legal thrillers I like quite a bit. And comedy is probably my least favorite type of movie to watch. What do you think? It. I get so much of it. I, I'm oh, out sure. watching stand-up every night and like around people that... I mean, comedy is such a weird thing where you, there's a literal like this binary yes, no happening where mm. if it's funny, people laugh. If it's not funny, they don't laugh. Sure. And you actually, it's the only like media or uh, genre where the audience has to do something, you know, like yeah. in horror, there's no like, like I guess the gasp is the criteria of whether sure. or not they're scared. But with comedy, like you can actually measure how much they're reacting and, and it, it's yeah. also, I think there's a lot of really bad comedy. Like, yeah. Lazy comedy is what yeah. I was telling Nate the other day. I was like, I just feel like, man, how many movies I watch and I just feel like had they spent a little bit more time, they could have really made this a lot funnier. But I just feel like so much of it is like, 
I don't know. It's like Tom Tom Hanks' face. You know, like I, I'm kind of sick of it because I'm like, okay, in this movie, are you like, are you, are you uh, Captain Phillips or are you like stuck on an island? It's it's starting to blur together, and I think the same thing with comedy is just like. So many comedies just Tom aren't Hanks funny. And being on water and in and around water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's it? What's this thing with water, man? You know. But I see his face, and I have a hard time separating. Like, oh yeah, he's not in a league of their own right now because my mind just goes to his database. Um, but I feel like there's a little bit of a similar thing with comedy in that, like, it takes a lot to make me laugh. And I do find I've I've recently found that my where I and my wife are very different is she's she's much of a realist. And so if things get too zany or out of control, like like bogus, she checks out because in her mind, that's like, that would never happen. But for me, the more absurd, that's when I really start laughing. Like the Eric Andres and those guys that are just over the top, is that's what gets me just because it's that absurdist humor. But so many comedies, I'm like, you can almost predict the punchline. You can almost, it's, it, I'm not surprised by much in movies anymore when it comes to comedy. For sure. I yeah. think, I mean, we're in a smaller market for it too here. Sure. Like when I, I went to New York and stuff, you just see so much different, so many different backgrounds and types of comedy. And mm. there's a, there's like a beauty in New York to like camouflaging hmm. your, uh, your standup. Interesting. So like there's a, I mean, I think Nate is somebody locally that does it really well where you don't feel the bit when he's doing it. Oh yeah. No, not at and all. And it just comes off as supernatural. Yeah. That definitely exists in New York. Whereas here it's like much more deliberate at times. And that's something mm. I'm working on currently, but I do think originality yeah. with standup, like when somebody's being their original self, Tom Segura was probably a really good example of somebody like when he, he broke through, it was like, hmm. there was a, like, I felt like I knew five people that were just like Tom Segura. Like he reminded me of my friends huh. growing up and he, he did spend time in Minnesota, which was where I, I grew up and it like, it makes sense. But like, I saw some of my life, in him and it was like there's yeah. there was this um like alignment of what he was saying what he looked like it was just him being himself it was mm. his comedic self but sure yeah I, I don't think there's ever a shortage of people being original there's yeah. a lot of people in those spaces that are trying to do what sells what is marketable all that and a lot of times what's original isn't necessarily the most marketable but it is good yeah you know, absolutely. it's very like timmy booth who we were talking about yeah i think he's really funny and very original yep and you kind of have to get in a room with that guy for that to like for you to get it hmm. you know like you have to be there to get it and how somebody comes in and market somebody like that it gets tricky yeah. i don't know like and I, i'm sure i mean he's got a lot of different skills maybe he's not the best example to use but it's there are a lot of really funny people where it's like how do you how do you package this for mainstream uh, consumers and a lot of times I think the answer is you can't. They're, yeah, like you have to be into comedy to get it at times, and that's why you have people that are like comics, comic, like 
Yeah. Guys, every comedian, every favorite, every comic's favorite comedian is this person. Hmm. You know, that's interesting you say that because I've been finding, uh, you know, comedy's not always been a big um, interest of mine until a couple years ago. I think it was a connection with Nate that was really like, you know, growing up really religious, it was kind of like those clubs are always just, they're swearing and they're always talking about sexual things. And so it was never a thing yeah. to go to, you know. Uh, but, man, I have found like a really great appreciation for just unique styles of humor. Like, I mean, I was watching, my business partner told me about the Bo Burnham special that he did during COVID. And I was like, I'd never heard inside. of Bo Burnham. And, yeah, yeah, inside. And I was like, I mean... Just production alone, the fact that like that is a brilliant take on on comedy, man. Like it's funny, it's you know. And I think the best comedy, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle. I've come to really love. I've come to love the arena that is like unoffendable. The the sense of like we need to have a platform where people can say things. Uh, and I think I mean there's mean spirited and there's not, but I think people that are you know Chappelle gets a lot of crap. Man, he really does bring conversations to, or or the ability to have like extended conversations about some of these deep topics to the table. And I think that's, you know, I see comedians almost as like the way court jesters used to work, just picking up on the ironies of this whole thing. And, and man, we're, we're water and dirt with like our hearts beating of magnetic impulses powered by like the sunlight from stars. And we take ourselves way too damn seriously. And I love that comedy just has the leveling platform of going like, no, let's just call it for what it is. It's, yeah, it's very, I mean, just that statement alone about the jesters and stuff. Like, I think comedians play a really important role in our society. I don't think that they're necessarily like these, uh, what's the saying people always say? Like the modern day philosopher Oh, sure. I don't think that's the job of a comedian. I think the job of a comedian is to be funny. Yeah. And there are times where being funny can mean that you're being divisive. I don't think most of the people that you watch that you think are very funny where those jokes are coming from start from a place of division. Like no. They're, if you're going for funny first, you might do some damage along the way, but it's with the intent of, Hey, I'm saying this because it's funny, not because it's controversial. Yeah. And it's hard, man. Like it's really hard. Everybody has their own set of set of circumstances that they're playing this game in. Mm -hmm. Like it's like athletes or something like everybody's built differently and we all look differently and we have different backgrounds and how we're perceived is different. But like the real ones, when you sit down and hang out with them, like they're on and they're super, I mean, the conversations we have off stage. Oh, they're the best. Are <laughs> amongst <laughs> comics. Like I was, I was doing this competition, uh, the Seattle international comedy competition. And okay. one of the guys, one of the guys was, uh, he's like a 20, 30 year comic, right? He's hosting the thing. Oh, sure. And I don't know him. And there was another guy that was in line. We we're waiting to go on stage. And I, I like just completely fucking around, like totally as, as a joke. I say to one of the other guys that I know, it's like, Oh, I just jerked off in the bathroom. I always do that at least twice before I go on stage. <laughs> sure. And, and this other guy, this other guy who's been doing comedy for three, he doesn't even know me. And he, he turns and 
He goes, I usually go for three. And it's just <laughs> it's without missing a constant, like how much can you, can you keep pushing the joke yeah. constantly? And it's so yeah. much like when you're around real comics, you're just like, you're just being silly all the time. And the person that like takes themselves too seriously is the one that like, they're not fun to hang out with. And yeah, I, I definitely, I have struggled with that. Like where there's so many factors in this journey that like make you tight. They like the work mm. you have to put in, like uh, putting yourself out there, going out every night. It's exhausting. Yeah. And so a lot of that takes away from your ability to be funny. Hmm. But the more you do the things that you enjoy doing, I think it, it helps like give you energy to do those things. You know, it's funny as I've been challenged, like, <clears throat> I don't think I'm, I don't know. In certain circumstances, I can be pretty funny. I don't, but I don't claim, like, I'm not a comedian by any stance. I, I think it'd be a fun to, to kind of like practice and maybe I'll do stand up and try some open mic stuff. But the other thing that's really interesting is I think that's what I really love about being around comedians is, you know, when I'm with, with Nate or, or people like that, it's not like they're necessarily like constantly cracking jokes, but there is a really interesting way in which I tend to find most comedian friends of mine see the world just a little bit differently. Like they pick up on, if we're at a restaurant, they pick up on little noises or like, I mean, I remember being with Nate uh, at Costco, oh, probably six months ago, and, and we were buying a bunch of hamburger burn, buns, and we just threw them in the back of his car, and everything was, as soon as he pulled out of the Costco parking lot, like, everything toppled. Uh, and he just, he's like, yeah, that's because I was lazy. And, like, he's like, that's going to happen the whole trip. And they just kind of call out the the quirkiness of life and things that people don't even see. I think, do you think that's like an, you think that's a way that comics are just wired or like, when did you recognize, man, I think I've got what it takes to do this. Or like, did people start saying like, man, Adam, you're really funny. Were you just, were you witty? Did you see things differently? I mean, he, he in particular, I got nothing res but respect for that dude. Like he's, <laughs> he's very funny. And I, I mean, he's had moments where he just like, he gets me, laughing so i mean oh yeah i i record all my sets and like he he would grab my phone like <laughs> as i'm coming off stage and he'd say some like funny shit into my <laughs> into phone. Your phone yeah and you and don't know till you watch it back it. i yeah. wouldn't hear it yeah I, I listen back the next day and he's just saying some hilarious <laughs> shit so he's he's just a, like a they're like kids yeah constantly you know? like, playful like yeah, it's yeah. just, it's ridiculous. And when you get us in a group together, it is, it is so much fun. Oh. Uh, I don't, I don't know though. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I do know like the first time I really like knew that I, I had something was, I was sitting in this row full of people at my day job. Okay. I was like every day I was just like making every one of them laugh and hmm. I hadn't really spent that much time. Like we sat together. It was like 10, 10 of us. And I sure. hadn't made that many people like laugh on a regular basis. And I realized like, Oh, it's people think I'm funny. Hmm. And I always kind of kept to myself. So I know I always made myself laugh as a result of like some trauma. And I was trying to like soothe myself. Yep. Like growing up. Yeah. 
and I figured out how to like share that with other people. But yeah, everybody's sense of humor is kind of different, and it's. I mean, I have a super dark sense of humor too, which I love. That when it's, I entered you on the you know before we started recording, I entered you and I said, "He's really dark, and and he's also very dry." But I think that's a it it works for you, man. Like it it because I'm the same way. Like. I was really big in this personality profile called Enneagram for a while. And, um, and my, this number that is assigned to you, it talks about like kind of what motivates you in the world. And I tend to be more melancholy as an artist. I'm, I'm, I'm prone to see the darkness of the world. And the way somebody described it was they said like Enneagram fours, which is what I am, are able to sit with all the suffering and darkness of the world and not need to fix it. And I just thought like, I know a lot of comedians that create incredible mater- incredible material out of really really dark spots. And I think people recognize that. I mean, you got the Robin Williams. Like you got a lot of these guys are really funny, but they're also really troubled. And I think that actually uh cre- it's almost like the pressure cooker to create good comedians is being able to to go out and navigate the darkest bots of humanity and come back and say, oh, it's not that serious. It's more playful than we thought it was. Yeah. And I think you have to go through those things in order to be able to do that. Like I, I was three months sober and one of my best friends hung himself. Yeah. God. And I just like, it was like, I spent every day this summer that I got sober with that dude. Yeah. And I love that person. I like, I was with his mom like that week and she's like, I don't know how I'm going to like not get, not get through this without medication. And sure. And like it influenced how I see the world. Yeah. And so when, when things are really bad like that, like you'll be sitting with that family member and then something will come up about that person and it'll make you laugh. And it's like these weird blurring lines of like, sadness and comedy and that like gallo humor yes it does exist when you're really sad and so like it's not that i i i think when i started i i was a very like shock humor appealed to me a lot sure and i realized like how uh like you were talking about like there's not a lot of tact in that it's yeah it's if you if i'm talking about my balls all the time like it's not uh, it doesn't take a lot of skill. People are going to yeah. make a noise and react to that, but it's not a laugh. It's an O. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I realized that a lot of times the darker stuff was what like appealed to me, what I thought was funnier, but I was like, Oh, I don't think people can hear that. And I had to figure mm-hmm. out how to get through that and do it in a way that was still respectful to the audience. But, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a process too, where you like bring something up and you're like, oh, that was too far, and you come back with it, and then you try it differently, or you table it, and you like it's, yeah, comedy is such a weird thing, stand up in particular, where you're you're writing every night when you're on stage, everything That's... is in a constant state of revision. Interesting. How how do like maybe um, what's your I mean, I'm not thinking you have one approach, but like when you think about writing a bit, uh, how does that, how does that get birthed in you? Is it kind of an idea and you take it out on stage and see if it goes anywhere? Because, you know, another side to this is I I have such massive respect for comedians because 
it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world because as an artist too, when you create something and you present it to the world, you're giving people access to a pretty intimate part of who you are. Um, and like you said earlier, like the connection of, of comedians though is you're getting the feedback in real time. And I've seen, you know, you know, I think once you do it long enough, you kind of have a set that works and, and maybe, you know, if you're to caliber like a Chappelle, you just don't bomb anymore. But there are nights where people totally bomb and I have to think, man, the courageousness to get up there. Like, how do you, what's going through your head when you're on stage and it's tanking and you know you still got 10 minutes before you can leave? Like, talk to me about that sort of disappointment or like or what you wrestle with when you're out there flopping. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things there. The crafting of an idea and then also... What do you do? Like, how do you work it? Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing that finding the premise is the hardest. Hmm. And that typically, like, you want to be looking for what is actually you and what's also funny. So hmm. I think for me, at least, I'm always trying to, like, what, what you were talking about, the thing with Nate, where, like, he can, he makes that comment in the car. Like, that's him being his jet his genuine self reacting to that. Totally. He's saying so the that, things that, that everyone's is, thinking that you're like, man, have we just spent five more minutes like organizing this? Like, but he called it out. It's, it's almost self deprecating in a way, but it's also like, it's just a, he's just voicing what's going on in his head or like, you know, I remember being at it's uh, his point of view. Totally. Or like, like it, you, you could look at that and you could be thinking, fuck, like there goes all those buns. And like, we just bought that stuff or whatever. He's thinking about it of like, I knew better than that. I was just lazy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so that's that's his comedic point of view. Yeah. And then taking that thing and like, okay, so that story exists. Is that a story that he can communicate on stage? And sometimes mm. like there are certain ideas like that that like that that would probably be a much better sketch or that sure. scenario, just like the visual components of it. Sure. And you could really uh, expand on it and things. So finding like what's good for stand up or not. Like recently, um, I watched uh, Brokeback Mountain with my girlfriend. Okay. And like it's on Netflix now. I had seen it like 20 years ago, but like she had never seen it and we watched it. And like I watched the movie and I started thinking like that was like a real mountain. Hmm. Like it exists hmm. and like you, you have to like imagine like they had to do like a PSA after that movie where they're like Brokeback Mountain is a family friendly <laughs> mountain. Sure. Like it's not just for cowboy sex. There's so much more <laughs> to Brokeback than that. Like, yeah. yes, the cowboy sex is fantastic. Yeah, sure. But there's, and, and, and I just like, I, I was playing around. So that's a joke I've been taking with me on stage and it's, I'm like working through it and you take the idea and you're like, okay, I got this concept here. Well, this movie's 20 years old. So how do I make it like, how do I bring it current? So I'm not yeah. talking about something that nobody gives a shit about. Right. And then, you know, like how do I get to the part that I think is funny fast? And that's, that's a super rough draft right now. The yeah. problem I think with stand up too is like you, you need to tighten it. But at the same time, you want a looseness to it to where it doesn't come off as rote. And yeah. the more you do it, 
the more road it feels at times. Sure. At least where I'm at in, in the space right now. So it's, it's a balancing act of those two things. And then once you have, say that joke gets flushed out completely and it's like two to three minutes. Sure. And like you have that in your arsenal, like you get, you're playing a different game than somebody that's like brand new. Hmm. Cause you, you have like, Oh, I have this button. I have this button. Like I can go to all these different things. So if I start sure. losing the audience, like I know I have this in my back pocket or, and then there's some people that are like, it has nothing to do with material. They could take you on a 10 minute spiral about nothing and then win you back over in a half second. So yeah, it's, there's definitely like a craft of, just like working with the audience and having the confidence. And some of it's like just God given talent. Like yep. comics are like athletes. Like they're, they're, we're all born with different gifts and you know, the more you work them and stuff, the more you can harness it. And it's, it's crazy to see when you see like a lot of different types of comedians, like, wow, this is like, this is wild. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, man, because I, I didn't really recognize that until um, you know, my background's in music business. And so when you go out and do a concert, it's the same show. Once you have your set list and you know, kind of, before you start a tour, you go into rehearsals and you create the set list that you know is going to just rock. And then you get on the road. And after the first couple weeks, you're like, okay, this isn't hitting like the way we thought it was going to in an, in a warehouse. And so you kind of take the audience reaction and then re- redo the set. And then eventually two to three weeks into the tour, you've got your, your show. Um, and I've seen comedians do the same thing. I've seen comedians in Portland and the next night in Seattle, and it's the same set. But then there are those people that, the, the two that come to mind, I mean, Nate's one of them, but the I think one of the masters is uh, Tony Woods at this, and that he's got he's got these jokes and these stories, but I've, I've seen Tony Woods now, like when he's in town, I'll go see every set he does, and they're all completely different. They're the same parts of jokes but they're so interchangeable it's like mr potato head you know where he can go okay the punchline of this will also work with the setup of this joke and so he might flip flop them around or i've seen nate uh you know in, in a room where one of the jokes that is a go-to just isn't hitting right and i can see him almost jump ship in the middle of the joke and 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 use a punchline from another joke with a similar topic without it feeling like he did two totally different songs. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, yeah the course will Tony fit the bridge. Woods is a, He's a monster. Tony Woods is like a freak. I heard a story about him recently. Hmm. Uh, a comic that was in the competition with me this year told me that they were in Australia and they were, he, they were at this random open mic on the beach. Okay. And Tony Woods was like at this festival and he came to the open mic and the guy like running the mic had no idea who he was. No way. <laughs> and he tried to, Tony's like, can I get up? And the guy's like, the list is full. And so Tony sat in the very front row and watched the entire open mic and oh paid attention gosh. to every comic with a huge smile on his face. Yeah. He's, I, you know, with him being here at the club in Tacoma, I've gotten to spend some time with him and he's a genuine dude. He's also a genius. Like, I remember talking to him. I'm, I'll tell you some stuff afterwards, but I, re, I remember talking to him, and I said, "Man, Tony, last time you were here, man, you made up this joke, and it was really, 
it was really funny because it was very specific to Tacoma. Like you could tell he wrote it while he was here. And I said, that was one of the funniest things I had heard in a long time. And he's like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'll do that bit. And he gets up on stage. Was it and, about the bike rider? No, no, but that was a good one. No, this one was yeah, about yeah, the, I... the seals floating in the water down at Ruston. Uh, and and he just made, he, he essentially he did the same exact joke, but he hadn't thought of it in two years. And he almost word for word nailed it. Like it was in his head, but he created it here. And just to see how masterful he is and then to watch one of the things I love was, you know, when he's when he's here performing, I mean, he's in the back of the room watching the openers for him, and he's pulling some of their content to use in his show. And he's just he's just a master man. He like I don't know if there's anyone that is as funny to me as far as mannerisms. Like his punchlines are great, but it's there's a quirkiness and a and an endearing quality about him that is just magical. Uh, yeah, it's you, almost like if you saw the silhouette of that person, yeah, you would know who it is. Yeah, totally. That's that's almost like a a marker of like a good comic is like if you if you saw their silhouette, would they? And I've heard the same thing about like skateboarding. Hmm. Like it's just they're very, you know exactly the delivery, what they look like on stage, all of that. It's, yep, it's just them. Yeah, and then I've noticed that too. Is that you know, I, I do think comedians tend to find a bit of a shtick that works for them, right? Like, but but it doesn't feel like actors in the set. Like, like you, you see a guy like Tony on stage, and and you're like, man, I know he's not far off from stage as he is. He's not like that in person, but he's also not not like that in person. Or you see Nate, and there's elements of their humanity that really shine through of like... You know, if you're a darker, per- like your comedy on stage also, I mean, it's not like you get up on stage and you're a totally different person. You might, you might use like, man, if I know I'm dark or dry, I'm going to be overly dry because that's kind of the shtick. Or if I'm goofy, I'm going to be overly goofy. So I, I do think there's, there's also that, that sense of like, you can really fall in love with comedians based off their personality type or, or how they are. You know what I mean? Like oh, Fred Armisen, sure. he's one of those guys where I'm like, I hear he's an an idiot in real life. Like I hear he's a jackass and just a jerk. But there's very few people in the world that when I watch will have me like crying, laughing like Fred Armisen or like Mike Myers can do to me. Like you turn on, Dude, <laughs> the, it's always sunny is the thing that gets me. Yeah, probably the hardest. Really, like I was watching it l- last night and. The episode, I don't know if you've seen the episode, the court case of that. Oh, where there's probably. Like it's been a minute. lawyer that has small hands, but he uh, puts on big hands on his hands like, <laughs> because he's insecure about his hand size. <laughs> and he keeps talking about his hands. Like the whole oh. episode is basically turns into this discussion of this guy's hand. That and is it's wild. Just, it's such good writing like the, the bones of it and yeah there's great acting in that show too but sure. like a great comedic premise to me is just so fucking good like i, oh, yeah. I heard this uh conan i think it was conan he was talking about being on snl and writing okay and there was this this sketch that they wrote for james bond like okay. they they were doing a, a parody of James Bond where he like went to the villain's lair. 
but okay. the layer wasn't done yet. So like, <laughs> it's like, like, like oh, Mr. Mr. Bond, I wasn't expecting you yet. <laughs> Over here is the shark tank. Well, it's not done yet, but it will be. <laughs> he just keeps clarifying that like every, you know, thing that he's going to torture him with isn't actually finished. And I just, oh. I love that type of humor of like, Oh yeah. The, like you take one thing away from one person and it just like, it totally <laughs> drops them down. Like, Yep. It's like the total uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm stuff, right? Like anything Larry David, where you're like, man, you were riding this way for a long time. And it was interesting hearing, I don't know if you knew this about Larry, but like Curb Your Enthusiasm is one of my favorites as far as like just bizarre, funny humor. But there's no script to that show. Um, it's improv. Yeah. Like, and I, I, Nate was on it and I was like, what was it like? And he's like, well, they kind of told me the situation and they said, Larry's going to come up and ask you some questions and just roll with it. And then they did three or four takes and that was a go. Like they pick the one they like and they, you know, so you have that, but then you have other shows like Arrested Development, which I think is maybe one of the best written shows in the history of the world. Like there's, oh my God, man. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I mean, there's these like little character and narrative arcs within each episode where you're like, how are they going to tie this together? And they do, but then they also like, tie it to other episodes and then cross seasons as well like it's just such an amazing show and then the one that i am on right now have you seen i think you should leave on netflix i don't think so oh dude it's like it's sketch comedy it's this guy tim robinson who used to write for snl and they're like three to four minute pieces dude and they are i'm gonna send you a link and anyone listening to the show should should watch i think you should leave on netflix because it's just over the top sketch humor, but I really do love. Like, I feel like in some of these, some of these writers, man, are are so freaking witty. And when we can give a platform to these guys that don't really have names but are incredible writers, to me, I love that. Versus giving the same guy who's, you know, like I mean, <clears throat> I'm gonna say this, but like I'm de- like Chris Rock, man. I'm I'm just sick of it. Kevin Hart, like fine, but like. I've seen it. You know what I mean? Like it, it kind of feels like let somebody let somebody else have a chance. And when you give these young dudes a TV show and go, all right, now's your chance to to try to make it and let them shine. There is some amazing comedy in that. Oh yeah, it, I mean entertainment is just it's brutal. Yeah, there's it's like this game of musical chairs of if you have that fame, what's it worth? And then everybody wanting to get some of that off of you, and then yep, it's like it's a gross it's definitely a gross industry that's probably my least favorite thing about this (laughs) this space but i mean if you go to some of those i mean stand-up is great where in new york it's pretty fair game for anybody Hmm. so you can just catch chris rock on the same show as somebody that's yeah you know you've never heard of yeah it's a great equalizer for sure. It doesn't cost anything for the comic besides their time. Yeah, and it feels like that's it does an art cost form. a lot of time. Yeah, and it feels like, you know, like people at your stage that are really like on this road to making it, there's definitely a grit, man. When I look at your guys' either, you know, I'm not on social media anymore, but like I remember seeing like Instagram posts and it's there's a hustle. Like I'm in Seattle and then I'm driving to Spokane for a six minute set, you know, and um but does do you feel like there's a vibrant community? Like, you know, sp- speak to Washington comics. Like, like we were talking about, like Timmy and Andrew and those. Uh, 
those sorts of guys. Do you feel like there is a a sense of like, no, let's share each other's jokes. Let's 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 critique each, each other's sets. Or do you feel it's a lot more competitive than that? It's a weird, this particular area is, it's a small market. Yeah. So I think in bigger markets, people tend to like click up and they work in clicks. Okay. In general, uh, everybody doesn't typically get along in comedy. Sure. That's probably the <laughs> PC way of saying that. Um, <laughs> sure. We wouldn't normally get along in life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very different collections of people. Hmm. Um, but the ones that you have around you, like, it, it, I mean, Nate has called me out of the blue and I answer his calls and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. Um, I respect what he does. I, I hope he respects at least what I'm trying to do. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of people of communities I've been in. I, there are few that have this many people who are helpful. I think some of that is based in, in order for you to get to move forward, you need somebody to help you. Hmm. And once somebody's helped you, you owe it to that person to pay that back to the next person. Yeah. So there's definitely a, a respect that exists with that. And you don't want to be somebody that, doesn't pay it forward you know yeah. like that's your reputation matters in this space and like I, I i learned that just from like having so many comics on my podcast like people mm. that are really successful they're like oh so and so helped me and so and so did this and, and like it's it is necessary to work with others in this space yeah that doesn't mean everybody's gonna be best friends sure but, um, <laughs> if there's another comic that you can help and they've haven't done you or somebody, you know, wrong, you should do that. Yeah. And Nate's created a space for a lot of people to do that. So it's, yeah. it's, I wish that I could be down there more. And I, I hope he, he knows that I just, yeah. like, I live in Everett. So it's a, it's with traffic, it's pretty brutal for me yeah. to get down there. But the times I've been at his club, it's been wonderful. Oh, it's so good, man. Okay. So as we finish up here, why don't you tell me people that are interested in learning a bit more about you, uh, shamelessly plug yourself here. Where can people find you? What's the name of your podcast? What's your Instagram? Like let people know how to get a hold of you. Yeah, man. And thank you for having me on. Dude, I hope it's so anybody good. that listen and watch enjoyed uh, yeah, me man. ramble and talk about movies and comedy. But um, <laughs> my website is adamtillercomedy.com. Okay. And then I have a podcast. It's on YouTube now with full video. Oh, fun. And we just had, uh, a magician on this week. I talked to a bunch of people from different walks of life and they, they tell personal stories and I've had comics and musicians. I've had NASCAR drivers and people from reality TV on there. Oh wow. It's a bunch of different types of people come on. Um, Nate's been on there too, but the yeah. podcast is called Fatim and friends, F A D A M okay. and friends. It's on YouTube and wherever you download podcasts. Awesome. And then I'm on an Instagram, uh, Adam Tiller is my name, but it's ATIL55. I refuse to get rid of my uh, <laughs> original Instagram to do a comedy account. So Surferboy97. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it used to, Tillerboy28 was my old AOL one, but I sure. think that was, uh, that was taken. So <laughs> I do, dude, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, bro. Like, it's been a lot of fun having you here. And, uh, you know, I would encourage all listeners to go check him out. 
Adam Tiller. He's really, really funny and just an all-around really good dude. So check him out. AdamTillerComedy.com. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby, please visit heathinpursuit.com. Thank you.